We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Emergency podcast for breaking news. It has just been released that the Arsenal Summer Tour will be... No, I'm kidding. Mikel Arteta is sticking around. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Alec Fendig, Bachman, Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We're going to do uh, a, a quick emergency pod. I, and, and I think it's warranted because it's big news when the manager of the club is renewed, let alone when two managers of the club are renewed. That's right. Jonas Eideball sticking around. Mikel Arteta sticking around. Some great social media content out there that you can certainly consume should you... Uh, be so interested in doing so, he says, in a wordy fashion. But yeah, this is going to be just a, a chance for us to quickly react to and give our thoughts on the decision for specifically Mikel Arteta to stay at the club to extend his contract and um, continue the project, TM. So let's get right into it. Here to do that with me now is Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. And Paul, you can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo! And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Tim, the first thing I want to do is just ask you whether or not you think this is big news. We're doing a a special podcast for it, but that doesn't actually mean that you have to think it's big news. Um, You know, they didn't have to do this now. There certainly was no pressing need to do it. We have some other things we're still playing for, in case you haven't been paying attention. I'm curious if you think it's big news and about the decision specifically to do it now. I don't think it's big news. I'm not surprised at all. I've pretty much always thought that, you know, barring a bit of a disaster season, they would extend his contract. I do wonder how significant it is that we're now guaranteed in the top six um, and whether that was like a, a, a bit of a KPI um, and whether I, I says my, my guess is probably that was going on in the background and like, yeah, you'll probably get a new contract. But once you hit that big six KPI, um, it will be on the table and we'll give you the pen, basically. <laughs> so that that's probably my oh, read no, no, on no. it. Tim, Arsenal are never given a pen, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> the pen and the carriage clock. No. So I, I'm that, I'm. Like I don't think it is big news. I do think it's interesting to announce it now 
because I do think that what they're thinking is maybe, first of all, to show like an expression of faith, whether we get in the top four or not. But I wonder whether they think there's some potential momentum here. And of course, on the women's side, with the owner side of Al, um, the women are, are playing for the title on Sunday, albeit it's not in their hands. So, um, And they... Uh, officially qualified for the Champions League last week so there might have been some kind of extension trigger there as well um, but it, but it's nice that those announcements came together as well but I, I definitely I don't regard it as big news I think the timing of the announcement's kind of more interesting than the contract if that makes sense that does make sense um, and Clive I guess you know he made a comment that the club put the contract in front of him after the losing streak right and what that meant to him and it, it tells you a lot about their commitment to him. He also said that he got quite emotional seeing it. Um, you know, I, I think Arteta is saying that he's got an ego and he wants people to know, I'm not just being rewarded because I've won a few games. I was getting this reward regardless. I've I've earned this, you know, even if we hadn't turned it around. And, you know, fair enough, we could certainly debate whether that is the case or not. But in terms of the timing of doing this, let's, you know, let's probably overthink this a little bit. <laughs> Do you think that doing this now has specific benefits that the announcement now can buoy the team, make this Leeds home game a different kind of atmosphere, have that, you know, Mikel song going around a little bit more? What what is the what is the reasoning behind this timing in your mind? Because it's obviously it's not something that had to get done right now. If they're giving him the contract and it's in front of him and they've been going back and forth, he certainly could have waited till the end of the season or done it a few weeks ago when it was on offer. So why now? Yeah, lots of thought goes into these things regarding timing. I think what Tim was saying there, was this a surprise? It's no surprise. We sort of read some things previously about this contract coming and people saying, oh, mate, wait to end the season, see if you get top four or not. People got their own success criteria. For me, um, I think it's I think it's nice. I can't, my overriding emotion is this is good news. It feels good. The whole day felt good. I love what it did by announcing the men and the women together. Yeah, what, was, what club classic. does that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is yep. huge. They can see the expansion of the women's game. Tim's nodded, and he understands this more than anybody. He understands the data, how many people are watching, the sponsorship, commercials. All of this is growing, and this is another thing. This is how they're telling everybody we view this in a similar fashion. That's a fantastic underlying message. That's number one. The second underlying message around giving the contract after the three-game losing streak. Again, absolutely fantastic. That means they're looking beyond the results. They're looking at... You know know my thoughts about is how you operate, ways of working, how you operate on a day-to-day basis, the multiple decisions, how you deal with those decisions, how you deal with the multiple people under your control, all the way down to the young players, the old players, how you manage them, how you exit them. I mean, this is all... This all drives your ways of working. You're being judged on that. That's what runs a club. You know, and I, I could do a whole, we could do a whole podcast on this, trust me, a, a bigger one than this, but we haven't got the time today. But I think that message there, and he said it. Remember, there was an interview, Paul would no doubt remember it because he's brilliant at this stuff. There was an interview he gave when they said, you know, after the three-game losing streak, and he said the reaction from the club post-losing streak was, like, amazing from the people, the staff, blah, blah, blah. So, obviously, he knew he had the contract offer then. At a moment when you're at your weakest, when you're dropping the ball, and they then they go and say, we believe in you, and next minute we have a three-game winning streak, and who's to say the two things are not 
you know, part of a coexistence, right? So those are two things that I sort of felt really the, the good news emotion, the, the dual duality of the of the announcement, and the time when he got given the contract. I thought that's what that's my good emotions for the day. Yeah, I think that's well said, Clive and, and Paul. The the interesting thing with a contract is I sometimes feel like a managerial contract is all upside and no downside as long as you're rich. Um, and I'll explain what I mean there. Now, look, it's not all upside, no downside when you give Alan Pardew an eight-year contract, right? But three years for Mikel Arteta, that seems reasonable. And like the reason I say it is you eliminate any possibility of distraction. You tell the players, this is going to be your manager. So it's not in their mind. They're not thinking about it. You make a clear commitment of who the man, man in charge is going to be for agents, you know, and transfer dealings that you may be trying to tie. I mean, we think of the transfer windows opening in July or whatever it is. But in reality, all those conversations are being had. And players want to know, well, he's got one year left. You know, the PSG job is going to be open. You know, are you sure he's sticking around? Like it just, it eliminates all that confusion. But if it all goes tits up, no contract is ever saved. I mean, Alan Pardew had an eight-year contract. He's not still managing Newcastle, right? So, like, the, these contracts can eliminate any kind of confusion, distraction, and set a course for the club without actually committing the club beyond the financial commitment you'd have to make if you get rid of a, con- a, a manager, which, compared to some of the other financial missteps you can make in football, is relatively minor. I mean, Spurs are on the wagon wheel of paying off managers now. United have obviously done it quite a bit. Chelsea, it's like their favorite pastime. So we've seen that it has mattered. So how how important do you think it is on the positive side, given that the downside to it, I think, is really very little. You know, for the people who are like, what has he done to earn one? It's kind of like, well, it doesn't really matter, man. If you're this mad about it, if he sucks, I promise you he's not going to be here till 2025. But how positive can it be? How important can the benefits be? I think that's right. I mean, not giving a manager that you're trying to develop a level of trust with a contract till the last moment is not the kind of thing that's going to engender uh, a relationship with the manager, the sense that there's alignment, trust in his team, his staff, the organization that that you're serious about this guy. Um, Like, I think this is big news, but not surprising news, or maybe I'd Mm. say important news. But not, sur- uh, but not surprising news. Um, I think this was all, all agreed. Like uh, Arteta took time out of his January window when his team were going off to wherever it was in the, in the Middle East for some sun, some football. He went on his own to meet with Josh and Stan. Edu didn't come along because why would you have Edu in the room while you're, you're discussing these kinds of like i think this was all worked out in january in principle and i think what he's saying right now is like they kind of concluded that roughly around this time they'd sort out they'd like finalize publish uh the news of and like what he's really saying is even though these three defeats came that's when they gave me the call to say, look, we're still doing the contract. In fact, we're definitely doing the contract now. We're going to, let's get it signed and let's get it announced because we back you, Mikel. I think that's what that really means. I don't think it suddenly came out of nowhere. They said, oh, you lost three games. Let's give you a contract. 
I don't think they can do it at the end of the season because that signals, oh, we only gave it to him because he made top six or because he got this result or he got that result instead of believing in what he's, what he's doing. I don't think they can give it to him a lot earlier than this in uh, January, February, when nothing has been proved for it's kind of signaling, well, we don't really care what happens in 21, 22 season. It's all, it's all theory. Like this is almost plus or minus a week or two the perfect time and i think uh he lost three games and josh called him and said look uh, uh remember when you said at the start of the season about it being the best week 10 days of his career and that was about friends it was it was about family it was about his team and their response but it was mostly about the organization saying we are 100% behind you we believe in you um Trust your own process. Trust us to trust your process. Trust us to trust you. And uh, help I'm, me help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm delighted. I think, it, I think yeah. this is right and it's aligned. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so Tim, let's sort of talk about how we got here for a second, though, because <clears throat> it is easy to believe we've just been on this sort of linear progression towards Mikel getting his next deal. He wins an FA Cup. He's got us back, you know, competing for the Champions League. Of course, it's been a nice, smooth journey to this to this point. I think we know that's not really the case. And at various points, there have been questions about whether his, his position was tenable by some people. I have to admit, I have not seen this kind of trajectory in many managers. And I think the club deserves credit for sticking to their guns, for having the the courage to get through the rocky periods. Because I think just before Boxing Day last season was certainly a low ebb that many clubs would not have stuck through. I think even some of the really early challenges this season, some clubs would not have ridden it out. There were decisions made and, and issues with players that arose that, again, I think a lot of clubs might have decided it was too much, too much turmoil and too much waste economically, but mm. Arsenal has stuck it out, and, and I think for the better, and I think we can clearly see that what you have now is a core of players that are on board. Just for a second, how much of a challenge do you really, I mean, maybe maybe no challenge at all, but a better way to say this is, when you look at the at the negatives, the, the challenges we went through, some of the darker periods and some of the challenges with players and some of the growing pains, how... How unique is it, do you think, that we stuck through that? Do you think that there there were moments that would have cost a manager his job at other clubs that Arsenal got through or that maybe we made those into bigger moments than they were? No, 100%. Um, I, I think my position all through those rocky periods, I, I never quite went into full Arteta out mode. Yeah. I think my, my strongest position on it, and, and this was my position for quite a while, is if Arteta gets sacked, he can't complain. Um, which mm. is not the same as saying he deserves, he deserves to, be sacked, to be sacked or right. I want him to be sacked. But, you know, there, there were times where it's like, if he gets sacked tomorrow, he can't really complain about that. And that, that would have happened at a lot of clubs. The reason I never went fully into that was partly my own confusion because we've got this manager who's never managed before. And so you're kind of grasping in the dark. And one of the, I mean, one of the, I, I don't know how much this is a KPI because, well, I guess it is measurable, mm. Um, you, you're familiar with that business phrase, right? What gets measured gets done. 
Yes. Um, but what? But one of the, one of the things I've been kind of thinking is, well, they, they hired a rookie manager. They must have known, They must have been prepared to take him warts and all. But what they'd have wanted to see is like a big improvement in him as a coach. And and I think we've seen that. And again, that is not the same as saying he's the new Pep Guardiola and he is the right man for the next 10 years or whatever. But I think we've seen clear improvement in him as a coach. Now, at the same time, I do think a lot of the improvement we've seen on the pitch has just simply been recruitment. Uh, well, no, maybe it's doing it down to say simply recruitment because you've got to get recruitment right and we have got it right. And we haven't always got it right with Arteta. We haven't always got the contracts right. This time we got it right. And I think that suggests to me that lessons were learned, but also they identified the right players, the right characters for the way they wanted to play, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of the improvement we've seen this season has just been about having um, maybe not even more talent on the pitch, but just more suitable talent on the pitch in more suitable areas. So I, I think we've seen a journey in Arteta as a coach um, probably um, a, a, a journey for Arteta within the organisation as well with Edu, because there were rocky periods, right, where like Raul Sanye, he gets kind of slung out and this lawyer mm. turns up and does a, um, an audit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and there are maybe some transfers that he was involved in and he wasn't involved in. Maybe there are some, you know, and and so um, I, I was just listening to the the pod that you guys did yesterday earlier about that kind of that decision to make him manager instead of head coach, and that that seems to me to have been like a bit of a right line in the sand. We got rid of that guy who was giving contracts to his mates, and actually what we're doing is we're aligning the organisation with this guy now, and and that's mm. a risky move. And and I'm not necessarily saying that it was a good move. I think it's paid off. Um, but that's not the. It doesn't necessarily mean the process was great behind it. Maybe it was. I don't know. But the, but um, the other reason I never went full Arteta out is I just don't see who else is on the market. I don't like if we sack Arteta. Like who do we get? Who is there? We could be the club with Conte flashing his you know eyes yeah. at, at batting his eyes at PSG and wondering how we're yeah. going to replace him one season later. Yeah, exactly. I think Arsenal were in a position where they kind of had to take a bit of a gamble and they had to get the guy to do the rebuild. And I was thinking about this yesterday. In hindsight, Arsenal should have just appointed Arteta in 2018 and then I think we'd be further down the line because I think some of the cleaning stuff he's done would have been done. It would have been done straight away rather than that. Absolutely indecisive Emery period and, and indecision is exactly what cost Emery he couldn't decide on Ozil he couldn't decide on his formation he couldn't decide who the fucking captain was whereas Arteta for better and for worse has been very clear every time that doesn't mean he's always got it right because we can't see the alternate universe we can't see the alternate universe where we actually have Mesut Ozil when we can't create shit at the beginning of last season. I mean, and, I can because I'm Doctor Strange, but the rest of you, of course, cannot. <laughs> and and may, maybe if we do have, maybe if he just swallows Ozil's bad attitude, maybe we finish six and get in the Europa League or something. Like, we don't have that timeline. But one thing he has brought is clarity. And something I started thinking at the beginning of this season was, even whatever happens with this, is what I was thinking probably about September, October, my kind of line in the sand was whatever happens now, I don't think Arteta has been a bad appointment. If he goes tomorrow, he's done some good things and he's left the, the squad and probably the club in a better place than he found it. 
and and that's you yeah. know that that's not insignificant for a rookie manager um, yeah. and, and again, none of this is to say he is therefore on an unstoppable upward trajectory. But I think the other thing that's interesting, um, before I hand this over, because maybe mm. it'll be one of your questions, is it, it's three years, the extension. Yeah. That's the surprise to me. Not an unpleasant Not surprise. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it'd be four. Um, mm. And I'd be interested to know whether that was on the club side, whether that was on Arteta's side. But I think that's good as well, because it's faith but faith with caution and faith with maybe conditions kind of, okay, we're throwing our lot in with you, but not forever. Like yeah. you've still got some KPIs to meet and we still want to see more progress. And, and, and I think that's good. It's ambition from both because the timeline for clubs is not five years, right? It's not, let's try to be good in five years. That's not realistic. If we're not getting there in three, this won't have worked. Um, so as you said, you know, in business, what gets measured gets done and the axiom I've lived by in my personal life is what gets measured gets embellished by two to three inches. Um, but uh, Clive, and look, I, you know, I, I, I didn't want Emery, but I wanted the model with Emery, right? I, I wanted the director of football and the first team coach, yeah, and I too. liked that. But guess what? We weren't organizationally ready to be that. And so what happened? We had a grifter in Raul. The club, I think, was seized upon by agents and 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 people that didn't have the club's best interest at heart allegedly and, uh, allegedly <laughs> of course well i'm i'm not saying anything uh uh unlawful occurred just things that maybe uh, were un unproductive but the point is that what if you're going to have a director of football head coach relationship i think that can work but that doesn't mean the head coach can just be a patsy that lets whatever go on and the thing i'll say about Mikel arteta is whether he'd been named manager or not the ego on the guy the strength of his character he sees himself as the club the face of the club the footballing side of the club and he was never going to be someone who just allowed things to happen around him and outside of his control maybe we gave him more control than i was ready for but i certainly think that you even in a director of football model, like you could say Liverpool have a director of football model. Who is Liverpool Football Club? It's Jurgen Klopp, right? And and I think that that doesn't mean that Jurgen Klopp's picking every player he wants and that's how it works. But you have to have the strength of the club flow through the first team manager, I think. And so I've updated some of my ideas about that. Now look, Clive, the interesting thing with Mikel Arteta is that tactically, I, I have no questions that he is a good coach. Like I just don't. I have questions about... Things in his coaching quiver, you know, arrows in his quiver that he might add, but I think he's a great coach. Other things that we've asked questions about, man management, working with different personalities, how he's going to operate in the market. The only thing I would say is this season has left me with no question that the players want to play for him, that his tactics can bring us success. We still don't know for sure about some of the other stuff. And so it's still going to be a learning process in terms of, what happens when we go into the market this summer and maybe bring in a personality that's a little different than the type he likes to work with? Now, to be fair, he may have a better sense of who those players are and, and bring in those players. So, so we'll see how that pans out. Well, one point I wanted to make before I forget, in terms of why now, it wouldn't surprise me if the club tapped Mikel on the shoulder and said, hey, if you like this contract, we can sneak the contract signing into the Amazon documentary. There's still time to catch that filming because they are going to be wrapping that up pretty soon. I'm just saying it makes for good theater. It makes for good TV. But, but Clive, in terms of the non-coaching side of it, the man management side, the, the operating in the market side, we're still learning about this, this manager. 
There are people who will definitely have questions about it. Let's not pretend there aren't. There are others that will say he's done exactly what was needed, firm, you know, line in the sand kind of approach, but whatever, however you see it. But I'm curious how you see that side of it, the off the pitch, not X's and O's, not tactics side, but man management and, and transfer market side of it in terms of his development and what we still have to learn about him. Because I, I think those questions are are fair to ask. Yeah, so everyone has their own measures about a manager, right? You've got yours and and I've got mine. And so I, I look I look around at him and I think, okay, what's he do? How's he operating? How's he how is he managing this group? What's his leadership style? What's his structure? How's he doing it? And and I do think the moment he was made manager was a critical moment because you have to enable somebody to do the job you asked them to do. That's what we didn't do with Emery, and we wouldn't have done with Arteta, and Arteta would have been eaten by the first model. He would have been eaten by it because we weren't ready for this at that time. As a fan group, as a dressing room, there were too many jobs in there, too many projects, too many idiots to get out of the room, even for him. right? And, and so I, I do feel that, for me, the way he's his style of management, I think is exactly what we need. And I if only got to look at Manchester United and say to yourself, what happens to a club when the manager's not the most important person in the room? Other people undermine him. And that's where Emery was. He got undermined by other people who had a bigger Twitter following than him. And they divided the fan base right in front of us and he got he got done by the dressing room. And then we criticized him as a coach. Well, you know what? I never criticize Emery as a coach. Because I could see he was a good coach, right? and I, and and I, it was just something that you could see immediately that he was a good coach. May not be the right coach for us at that particular time. May not be the right communicator. We were used to a communicate communication genius, and we got given someone that couldn't quite connect with us. So we weren't having him. And coaches will always make mistakes. So if your measure is substitutions, results, and those things we can touch and feel, then I'm afraid Arteta's he's, he's gonna he's gonna let you down. He's gonna pick the wrong team, he's gonna lose a game, he's gonna make a wrong substitution that's gonna upset you. So at some point you have to divorce yourself from that and say, actually, is he the right type of person that has the right values? Does he bring the right values to the club that that he does for me. That's why I support the club. And when he talked about the club, it's the most important thing in the world to him. That's exactly what it is mm. to me. Do you see what I mean? And when I see those things, I don't see somebody passing through. I see somebody that's here. And when I see those things, okay, okay, I like you. But you know what? I need to not like you too much. Because in this game, if you lose five games in a trot, things change. Hence why you only get a three-year contract. Things change. But I don't think there will be many five-year contracts being had out anymore. There might be a three-plus-one to retain an option, but really all you're saying is to somebody, we love you for the next three years, and by the way, if it all goes pear shape, we're going to pay you up three years. Do you see what I mean? And that's what's happened. The world has changed. One of, use one of Tim's lines. The news cycle is far more aggressive now. He's massively aggressive. And when Tim said that to me, I thought, you know what, I need to change my thinking about this. You know, it's really important that we realise that the world that we're living in is three to five games and you're in the washing machine, mate. And it's oh, whatever was done before is gone. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. when you when it comes yep. down to earlier, the principles by which you operate, the principles by which you work, those are the key things. And so the club had to enable him by making him the most important person in the room to get the idiots out of the dressing room. And that's what he's doing. And that's why we all feel different about the club because we can see that 
or we can see a hierarchy there without there even being an organization chart. Do you see what I mean? We know who's who. We know what's what. And if we know, agents know, players know, young players know, experienced players know. And that's so important to the ongoing functionality of the clubs. Probably the wrong word, but you know what I'm trying yeah. to say. No, I, I get I get it. And I think you, you hit on something that's really important and important for, for me personally to internalize, but I think generally in analyzing this, which is, unfortunately, football being so emotional and every result being so important, it is easy to want to sack a manager over a starting 11. It's easy to want to sack a manager over a substitution made or not made. It's easy to want to sack a manager over a result that comes down to someone missing a penalty in the 90th minute. Like it... You can find yourself on that roller coaster of motion. At my absolute lowest with Mikel, I was close to being ready to say I think he should go, and that was Boxing Day of last season. And to be fair, that was a pretty unprecedented nadir for the club. Um, even through our three-game losing streak, I tried to keep it in perspective and looking at how we we did through our good run. But to to be fair, Clive, you're right. Zooming out is hard, and so you have to understand whether the principles work right. The way he's trying to get us to play, the way he's managing the players, does that work? And if it works, then you stick with it. And, you know, Paul has always sort of said, and I think I agree with this, that you get rid of a manager when the players don't want to play for him anymore. Because that is really the sign. Right now, look, can you have a bad manager who the players want to play for? Maybe, but I doubt it. Not at a big club. Because players aren't at a big club to just have fun. They're there to win things and compete and play their best football and get better as players. And that is something, too. I think a manager can fit a project. Carlo Ancelotti doesn't want to come coach Arsenal and have players that are young enough to be his grandkids. He doesn't want to do that anymore. The Mikel Arteta wants to go coach spoiled millionaires. He just doesn't. And, you know, he's not going to go to PSG. That's not a project that fits him. Right? And so I do think that that, that fit is important and he is a fit for us. And I want to ask you about Arteta being a modern manager, Paul, but I, I, I will say this too. In terms of the timing of signing this now, you guys, this is something that I think is really savvy actually by the club and by the manager. You can't do it on the heels of a three-game losing streak. I get that they put the contract in front of him there, but optics-wise, you sign the deal after your season looks like it's just cratered and you've got a livid fan base. It just doesn't make sense to do it then. So you say, we'll table it. You get on a good run. Positivity is flowing right now. And the reason you do it now is you don't want to do it after the season. Here's why. Obviously, if you finish top four, then it looks, oh, hey, great. He, he totally deserves it. But what happens if it doesn't quite work out and you finish fifth? Well, he was still hitting your KPIs. You still had a season that you think is good. The players still want to play for him. But now people will will argue that it's a reward for failure. That somehow, why is he getting a new deal? He missed out on top four. The club needs to avoid that narrative. They want it to be a project that this is a long-term view. And if they do it right after the season, it looks like it's because of this season. So I think they found a really good pocket of time to do it where it looks like it's about continuity and not necessarily as laser focused as what happens in the next five games. Paul, you wanted to add on, on Mikel being a modern manager? You will have to unmute. You 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 absolutely are entitled to your say to I'm the extent that modern, the audio can be recorded. I'm not a that modern is podcaster is the problem. That is true. All these that is buttons, true, but, but give me the your, dials. Uh, look, we're talking. I'm going to get you one of those phones for for <laughs> seniors that you know d can't send a text or go on the internet. It's just big buttons and dials. That's it. Yeah, I can hang it around my neck, and one big yeah. red button would be great. Right next um, to the life alert. Okay, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
like we're talking about his coaching and, you know, the team building and that kind of thing. And sure, that's, that's a huge part of it. But we got so much more than that. Like the best run club on the planet, because they can afford to be, because they planned it, because they planned to bring in the best manager on the planet, was Manchester City. I'm delighted that we didn't get it, Arteta the first time round. I'm delighted, in fact, that we almost got him, that we leaned him over the edge. Um, we pulled him back this at the last weird. moment. getting weird. Yeah. Careful how you pick your next words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we pulled him back, and he like had that big disappointment, but he also knew it almost happened. And he then went back and spent the next year and a half saying, looking at Arteta, uh, looking at Arsenal through the eyes of the guy who almost got the job and really thinks that, you know, actually this might come around well soon. I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. I mean, he said that himself. He didn't think he was ready when he looks back at it. He says he's made a bunch of mistakes this time around. I think it was a massive service to him and us that, that uh, Emery was the fall guy who lived through a huge amount of pain. It reset our expectations because if we're, if we're impatient with our Ted as it is, how impatient would we have been if he was the first guy after, like he would have got all the arrows that Emery would have got uh, all the problems. He would have had to live, had to have lived with a hell of a lot more Raul San Leahy and all of that confusion and all of that cluster and even more Mesodosal, enough Mesodosal to bring any man down. So, but besides all that, that's not really what I want to get at. He spent, I don't know how many years, three years working in not just the coaching, the tactics, which is what we always think about him and Pep, but like their analytics, their video, the professional way they run their organization, their no bullshit, they need this, they need that department, here's how it all should work together. They've had the resources to be world-class in how they run their organization. He comes to us where we're good we do a bit of everything, but we don't do it. You know, we're not bleeding edge. We're basically, what does Arson need? That was basically what Arsenal was. Let's ride Arson's coattails. We weren't world class. We might have been quite good at this and that and could do better here. We got so, we had analytics we didn't use. We had video we didn't lean on heavily. We got rid of our old scouting network. And I don't know all the details of that, but it had been in place for a very long time. And then suddenly we revitalized everything we did. We scout differently. We video uh, our use of analytics, uh, the connection with the club. The fact that Arteta is obsessed with the connection with the fans, I think, is absolutely brilliant. It, it seemed like lip service maybe at one point or we were going through a tough run. So, hey, let's help. But that's, he knows that there's a holy trinity. If he's going to get to where he wants to get ambition-wise – like he's got a kind of a Manchester City level of ambition as to what we're trying to do here. He understands the holy trinity of manager, team, supporters. It's not for now. It's not for the run-in. It's something he wants to make concrete going forward. His ambitions are big. It's way beyond coaching, uh, positional play. It's the holistic approach of how you build a world-class club so that you can compete and mm. that's what I think yeah. we've got. And we're going to keep talking about football and tactics and is he a good coach? 
That is 49% of the job that Mikel Arteta is doing for the club right now, working with Ed, yep. Edu. And that's yep. why Josh and him love each other, right? <laughs> he, he says, assuming. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's really I, important, right? You need no, that alignment. I know, I agree. Remember where it used to be with <laughs> I, I us. But think about it. What was it like with Stan Kroenke, our perception of him as the owner, Unai Emery, and all that other stuff? And now... Yeah. Josh, Edu, Arteta, the bros. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, Tim, there's still more to learn about, Mikel. Mm -hmm. Before we wrap up, because I don't think we need to go too long on this, I think, you know, obviously we're we're probably going to talk about Mikel Arteta again. I feel like he may come up (laughs) in conversation. Um, What are some things you still want to learn about him? What are some things that, you know, and I don't mean like, what's his favorite fruit? Mm, you know, does he Melon. lace up his sneakers? Um, he does. Do, do, like, what are the things you still want to see develop from him or learn from him or that you that you have questions about that you will be interested to see how that aspect of him as manager develops? Yeah, sure. And I think I'd make a quick point as well on, on the age of everyone involved. Paul talking about Josh there and Edu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonas Eideval, he's one year younger than Mikel Arteta. You know, I know we've spoken about this a lot, but this is a young club. Yeah. Did you um, see their little uh, chat on the pitch? Video yeah, yeah, I did. I love that, yeah. Yeah, I, I spoke to Jonas this afternoon and he was talking about wanting to spend more time talking to Arteta mm-hmm. um, next season. Yeah, I spoke to Mikel this afternoon and, and he said something <laughs> similar about Jonas. Just while we're flexing, while we're, while we're flexing. <laughs> but on. yeah, and, like absolutely. And, and and I think like fairly similar kind of coaches in, in a lot of ways. But um, in terms of learning about Arteta, I was just thinking earlier as well, actually, about some of the things, you know, when I said I felt he'd improved improved as a coach like do you remember we used to complain about his substitutions and it's like I like I don't remember thinking oh that's improved I just remember not complaining about it anymore <laughs> so like <laughs> yeah. it's probably improved and again that's probably albeit the squad slimmed down that's probably just because we brought the quality of the team up um, and now we can bring on Martinelli for Smith Rowe or vice versa yeah, um, and that, and that's largely what we do, and and Rob Holding, um, of course, for the last ten minutes. <laughs> um, but I, I think I still think um, the the kind of the question about about managing star players is is there. And again, listening to the pod you guys did yesterday earlier, and, and Clive talking about like Man City and maybe some of the similarities, and you know, you look at the way Man City are going out of Champions Leagues and what they need sometimes, sometimes, and the reason I tipped Liverpool for the league last summer, when City didn't get Ronaldo or Kane, I said I thought Liverpool would win it because sometimes you just need a bastard to just say, um, I'm just going to smash one in from 30 yards, lads, and we're going to win one nil. Either when you're like when you're getting held to nil nil by Southampton or Real Madrid are just about. Just to don't tell Thomas Party that. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know sometimes you, like we had it in Sanchez, and maybe Sanchez was too dominant in that respect. But I I think what's interesting is that Guardiola went to the hundred million on Grealish, but he wouldn't go the full Monty on Ronaldo on Kane. Uh, maybe it's harsh to say that on Kane, but on Sanchez as well. He bulked at the price on those, like, I guess you'd say alpha players, those bastards who mm-hmm. who will just go and win you a game by themselves. I'd say Benzema is very much in that class now. He's kind of stepped out the shadows as the 
I'm going to win this um, now kind of player. And and I guess if you're projecting forward and we go on the trajectory that 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 we'd want to see, i.e. becoming like Man City light and going up to that level is, you know, let's say we observed that trajectory. What then happens in those games? Look, how did, how did Arsenal win the trophy we've won under Mikel Arteta? Aubameyang. Mm. Aubameyang. In those big games, he he wasn't a great fit tactically on that left-hand side. It cost us things. But when it came down to it, Aubameyang won us those games and he won us the cup. And, and, And I think that's what I want to learn is, will he always go like Pep has for the kind of you know, the likeable, what was it Ibrahimovic called them? Like he said when he went to Barca, he hated it because they're all like obedient schoolboys or prefects or something <laughs> like. And and you can see Arsenal are doing something similar. And I think, to be fair, you can see for City that works 98% of the time. But what I'm interested in is that 2% of the time when an Ozil, a Sanchez, a Bamiang just turns up at Wembley and says, fuck you, I'm winning this trophy. Like, can he handle that type of player or will we have that that same kind of um i guess like samson's hair <laughs> kind yeah. of thing that kind of sometimes when it comes down to it we're just not prepared to have that bastard in the team that's it would be handy I'm for him if that guy in. just isn't a bastard like if it's bukayo saka or something <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah it turns out to just be a really likable dude <laughs> yeah 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 true do you know what i was thinking the other day as well when i was expanding on this kind of we should have just appointed arteta in 2018 because i wanted ancelotti in 2018 and actually thinking about it now i don't think that would have been a good appointment i was desperate for unai emery but yeah go ahead <laughs> I, I think the ideal would have been venga go in 2016 get ancelotti then when we've still got somewhat prime Ozil and sanchez let ancelotti have interesting Ozil and Sanchez and just say because that's what he does right yeah he just puts the talent on the pitch and let him have them for two years and then because Ancelotti never does anything after two years always always gone 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 yep so like let him have his fun with them for two years and then do the Arteta thing in 2018 I think that probably would have been ideal but I, I wonder I wonder how much Arteta is looking at what is happening with City here and thinking Maybe sometimes I, sometimes I need to have my bastards. Tim, it'd be yep, very it'd tough be- for Arteta to take up over after Carlo Ancelotti after he wins the Champions League with Ozil and Alexis. I mean, I don't think you're seeing and his one league here. title. Yeah, 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 yeah. His one league title that he always gets in his one Champions League. <laughs> but to be fair. Um, I think even if we signed Tim Sherwood after that, we would have been so drunk and happy that none of us would have noticed. By the way, while we're re-signing our manager. Rumors of a new manager at Tottenham, right? Graham Potter. I hope it's not Graham Potter. Not because I think he'll turn them into something special, although he could, but just because I'd hate to have to loathe a manager that I kind of admire. That would be a shame. But I'll do it if that's what's required of me. Clive, last quick question. A thousand pounds of your money has to be gambled on whether this is the last contract Mikel Arteta has at Arsenal. Do you think it is or it isn't? No, I don't think it. I don't think it is. I think it's. Um, okay. I think he's going to be there. Um, he's going he's to be there for a, a while. Um, but like I say, football's a funny game, right? And five mm-hmm. losses uh, is a mistake that we haven't foreseen. And um, yeah, people will be after okay. him, and that's how it changes. We we have to run as Tim's groceries have arrived and our window for recording has ended, but we're, I'm glad we could get this out. Look, I'll say it this way, Clive. I hope that if it's his last contract, it's because he's won everything with us and has new lands to conquer. 
Uh, but I suspect this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship long-term. We'll see how it goes. And there are other contracts on the horizon we need. Bukayo, I hope this contract signing fever just catches you up. You're all caught up in the fever, and you get in, into the signing mood yourself. We've got work to do still. Tim's on Twitter. Stoberto, thank you. Thank you very much. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, Paz. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter. Clive BSC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Two bits of admin. So many of you sending in the reviews and you're emailing them and you're DMing. And like, so my, what I've done is I've, I've, I've wound up with an inbox filled with these wonderful reviews and I feel like I should reply to all of them. If I'm being honest, it's probably not going to happen just because it's, it's a lot and I still have the COVID and I'm just feeling a little lethargic and like, so please take this as me saying, I love you so much. We love you so much for sending them. And if I haven't responded personally, it's not because I don't see it. And it doesn't mean a lot. And you're in the drawing. You're in the drawing for the free year of Patreon. And for patrons, there will be an instant reaction after the Leeds game. There may even be a little Patreon something after the Spurs um, Liverpool game as well. We'll see. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to leave it there, though. Um, plenty, plenty ahead. Hope you enjoyed this. Thanks so much for being here. We love you. And we will talk to you after Liverpool 10, Tottenham New. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.